It's Monday, November 10th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman. Happy Monday, gents. You do. Welcome back from Austin. Thank you. We'll, right. ta- we'll talk about Austin in a little bit. Got a little barbecue sauce still on your cheek there. <laughs> Holy cow. The first two meals I had were brisket. We'll get to Austin in a minute, I, I, but I'd uh, be down with that. We're gonna today. We're gonna have a round. Uh, something we haven't done in a long time. We're gonna have a round of overvalued, undervalued, overlooked. I think it's a good format to have, like right after earnings season, because you have companies that you know have moved one way or the other pretty significantly. Absolutely. Maybe we ought to make this like a standing tradition. You know. Oh, believe me, we'll we'll be going back to this well again and again as we have for years. But for newer listeners, this is something we do from time to time. It's a way to for the guys to just. Uh, essentially talk about stocks that we don't talk about all that often and we're not being driven by the earnings news. Mm-hmm. So let's start with overvalue. Jason Moser, what do you see out there in the investing universe that you look at and say this is uh, this is many things, but first and foremost, this is an overvalued stock. Yeah, so listeners uh to this podcast or Motley Fool Money radio show will will know this company Wageworks. I've called it out before as one that I've got on my radar. Um, and it's it's still on my radar. Unfortunately, it, it is one that just turned in a pretty solid quarter. The market responded positively to it, and the stock went from uh, overvalued to, to even more overvalued. <laughs> and uh, if, for those who don't know, WageWorks is a company that provides consumer-directed benefit programs uh, to to employers. So thinking about things like healthcare savings, uh, you know, accounts, uh, thrift or not thrift. I'm sorry. Um, the uh, flex spending accounts, so like you know, childcare things like that, and and so they, you know, they provide a neat value proposition for the employer and for the employees. So these employees are able to to put those uh, pre tax dollars, and their employer and employers save on their on their uh, you know payroll uh, taxes as well through this. And so, uh, WageWorks is is a very very uh, you know interesting company in that regard. A couple of catalysts that should be positive forces. Um, in in the coming years, is there are laws in major metropolitan areas that are being passed that are requiring uh, employers that that meet certain employee thresholds to provide the commuter benefits, and that's another uh, you know type of account that can be used. And certainly these bigger metropolitan areas, I think DC is a good example. Uh, you know, a lot of these places they have to provide their employees with consumer benefits or with the with transportation uh, commuter benefit programs. So uh, you know that's something that should uh, I think add to their product offering here as time goes on. And then also with the, the with the revamps in healthcare insurance, uh, we are seeing a a number of of folks getting their insurance from private exchanges. Uh, they typically are opting for the higher deductible type plans that uh, you know they they can just uh, pay their copays for sort of the the, the maintenance uh, things, and so they they have more incentive to to set up one of those healthcare savings plans. Just to cover those those copays, they're more predictable, uh, and, and it's also they're not the, the laws have been changed where it's not a use it or lose it situation, which which I think uh, kept a cap on enrollment on those uh, for a while. Uh, but but again, I mean the company is is performing very well. Uh, this quarter was was you know another great one. The problem is it's still trading around sixty five times full year estimates, which is is high. You know, and this is a growth stock. <laughs> you think? Don't don't make any mistake there, but. But uh, the market's giving it a lot of credit, and, and I think rightly so. I'm just I'm waiting for them to to miss one quarter so that I could then uh, potentially, uh, you know, get this one in the portfolio. What's the ticker symbol? W A G E. To what extent do they compete with ADP, a company I should point out, 
which is somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 times larger. They are. You're right. Those are, those are some of the companies they compete with, ADP, big banks, health insurers. Uh, the problem or the opportunity that WageWorks sees there uh, is that because this is a pure play, they focus solely on these uh, you know these programs, these consumer directed benefits programs, where those those are more offerings that that bigger companies have. Um, you know that are, they're sort of ancillary offerings to their core products, and so uh, WageWorks management sees the opportunity there to really focus in on that one particular offering and do it well. And they believe that their technology is is what sets them apart. That's their secret sauce, and and it's it's proving to work. I mean, they're very efficient, good margins, uh, you know, profitable, cash flow positive. So a lot a lot of a lot of good things going on with this company. Taylor Muckerman, what do you see out there? Well, mine is only about half as overvalued as Jason's, trading at 32 times earnings, and that's Domino's. Uh, also, maybe a little bit more well known, um, but you know, the last five years, six years, has been trading investors pretty well, up from four times earnings in 2008 to now 32 times earnings. It's been growing cash flow from operations fairly well, but you know, they started putting Fritos on pizza, and I think that's the top. <laughs> I think once you put Fritos on pizza, that's it. So uh, I look at this company. They have $1.5 billion in long-term debt and only $500 million in total assets. A lot of retained deficit still on that balance sheet. Uh, so, if you know what happens if the debt markets rates start to rise, they're not, they don't have the cash to fund it, and they certainly can't probably raise more debt to, f- to fund that. Uh, so, that worries me considerably. My only advantage, I think, that they have over other pizza chains is delivery, but then Papa John's has that. So, if you look at a, a non-delivery food chain, what if Uber or somebody else decides to get into the food delivery business at scale? They lose everything that they've built up uh, other than the price, but I don't know if they can go any lower on price because food prices for their input costs, I don't think are going to get any lower meaningfully. Um, so I look at this company maybe having reached its pricing power peak and uh, their, their advantage as far as convenience is at its peak as well. I mean, Pretty much all their stores now are just walk-up counters. There's no seats. You can't eat there. So it's just these tiny little, probably pretty low-rent places that they that they now house themselves in, cities, residential areas. But um, I don't know if they can cut any more costs, and I don't know if they can raise prices any more than they have. But if you look at how other players in, not necessarily the pizza industry, but just the food and beverage mm-hmm. industry, look at Starbucks. I mean, the, the the big headline coming out of Starbucks' most recent quarter was, we're going to try delivery next year. That's right, yeah. So, if they, I mean, if, if Domino's, and, and I hasten to point out, Matt Joss, our colleague at Motley Fool Australia, when I was talking to him here about what's an American brand that's doing well in Australia, that was the one he highlighted, that they are just crushing it in Australia. Domino's is. Domino's. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, when we were in Egypt, I think I've mentioned this before, but we we lived in Egypt for three years, and Domino's was delivered uh, there, and we we got it, and it was very close to to what we were familiar with here. So, yeah, I think they've done a good job of of, of really, you know, translating that over to, to... all sorts of different But from a valuation standpoint, it sounds like you're kind of in the... Yeah, maybe it's... You're you're viewing it the same way Jason views WageWorks. Like, hey, look, hats off to them. They're doing well. Not to the point where the stock is valued, though. Yeah, then you've seen other big brands in the United States go go abroad internationally. They might hit a few countries out of the park, but then they struggle when they continue to try and expand. So, if they can keep that up, sure, maybe the valuation's worth it. But um, these are all uncharted waters, and... um, the, the the kind of emphasis on quality, and I think, with food these days, is probably going to catch up to them as well. And the ticker, um, 
I don't even know the ticker Domino's, off the top of my head. Deep, I just know Domino's. DPC. Come on, Deep man. dish. Do some research. Uh, I, I mean, I'm going to be interested <laughs> to see how Kraft Pizza plays out on these guys. I think, uh, I mean, Kraft Pizza, I know it sounds kind of like Kraft Beer, but think about, you know, Chipotle opening up uh, Pizzeria Locale. You've got uh, Blaze Pizza opening up. You've got Pizza Rev, part of the Buffalo Wild Wings uh, effort to grow. Uh Big focus on on quality, yeah. like you mentioned, and I, and I think that even though they're not going to, at least you know at present, offer that delivery dynamic, um, it's not to say that it couldn't materialize at some point. Before we get to the undervalued stocks, you just reminded me the last time we talked about Buffalo Wild Wings, you mentioned their uh, ownership of Rusty Taco, <laughs> and yeah. and I made the point that look, just add an apostrophe s, make it Rusty Taco. We got, I, I got. Email from listeners, uh, a couple of tweets, basically saying, "Once you taste these things, you will forget all about the name of it. They are delicious. They are nice. fantastic." So, p- so secret ingredient. Very bullish on yeah, rusty taco. Let's go to the undervalued stocks. Jason Moser, what do you got? So, uh, you know, I've, I've talked a lot about Zoom uh, on these shows here, and I think that after this recent earnings season, this is uh, a, a stock that the market is looking at. Um, I think a little bit. They just are. They're being a little bit short-sighted with this one. And, and uh, Zoom shares got hammered. After Zoom with an X. Yes, X. A ticker X O O M. But they they missed very very slightly on the sales guidance. And and I think that between that, along with the fact that they they had a lower uh, new customers than than the market was expecting, is what really got this market freaked out. I mean, Mar- uh, Zoom is is electronic money transfer, and they focus specifically on the outgoing remittance market from the United States to all of these other different countries in the world. Uh, you know, the Philippines, Mexico, all sorts of Latin American countries, uh, getting into China now as well. A lot of things these guys are doing right, and and it was interesting to hear on the call they talked about the lower new ads. And, and really, what happened was at the end of the second quarter, the beginning of the third quarter, because of the World Cup, they had they basically went off the air as far as advertising. They, they didn't spend the money to get that valuable World Cup airtime, and they focused, I think, on uh, you know some some acquisitions they had recently made and developing a bill pay product that they're just starting to roll out as well. And they they felt like they saw a very material effect on the the new additions there. Uh, now, yes, lower new ads. They still added you know new customers. Uh, but but what you see with this company, they built a very great sticky model that once they get these new customers in there, uh, because of their risk management model, they're able to instantly fund the recipients of these of these uh, money transfers, and they have built this just phenomenally repeating business, recurring customer base. And and now what they're doing is, as I mentioned before, they're building out this bill pay offering that they've rolled out to five Latin American countries. It's going to be something that's very complementary to their to their customers that they already have. They're they're going to increase their total address a total addressable market uh, with move into China uh, as well as Pakistan and Sri Lanka. So, uh, total addressable market is going to move from $81 billion to $95 billion here uh, in the coming months. And, and I think it's also noteworthy, uh, Marathon Partners uh, portfolio manager, Mario Sabelli, who's got a pretty good track record, um, he, he held a position in Zoom before this. Uh, he's, he's backed up the truck on this company. Uh, in a meaningful way, he's very optimistic about their future. I am as well. I mean, I'll, I'll be very, you know, transparent here, in saying that I took advantage of the dip and bought um, a number of shares after the earnings, after the earnings miss as well. So I think that you've just got a, a company management is very committed to the customer, customer service. I think that's very important. I think at 52 times full year earnings, I wouldn't call that 
cheap, but I think it's undervaluing the the, the potential of this company uh, when you look at it through a five year five year lens. I'm really encouraged. All right, Taylor, what do you got? Um, I have Thor Industries, so not superhero Marvel Comics or anything like that. But great, great name though. Great name, um, RVs. So tow behind and and uh, self driven. Well, not self driven, but you can hop behind the wheel of it rather than towing it behind your truck. Um, the biggest name they own is Airstream, but you know they're kicking off cash flow from operations at twenty five percent annually over the last five years. Last couple years have really boosted that, so don't don't think that it's been all five years have been super strong. But um, very strong balance sheet, sixty seven percent of their liabilities they could cover with their cash, no long term debt, so very stable there. And I look at retirement of baby boomers. Um, international travel has been booming lately. But North America has a lot to offer, and I think that that presents a nice opportunity. They have you know different price points all the way from the tow behinds that are smaller. All you need is a truck to hook these things up to, or you can get the RVs that are you know ranging anywhere to two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars. So they can cater to everybody, and I think it's a growing market. Um, I've driven around in several different versions of theirs and um, had a great time in every one of them. So quality and we've got a, a large bee got or something some flying around in here upstairs, it sounds like maybe. there's some drilling upstairs <laughs> um yeah and margins are improving so they're trading at only 16 times earnings um while it's not super cheap i mean it's only 16 times earnings right now where the market's at that seems cheap enough to me to to get into this company before i think that a, a decent tailwind and spending in this market is going to take place and one of those industries that I think most people don't focus on. Yeah, I mean, the, just the the recreational. It's pretty boring, vehicle. and I mean, heck, I mean, if if Ebola, you can't get to Africa in an RV, so you're safe <laughs> from that right now. <laughs> Thank you for invoking Ebola. Uh, before we get to the overlooked, uh, want to thank the Full One members who came out uh, to our event in Austin last week. Uh, it was a great event. Um, a, a whole bunch of people came up to me and. Uh, Talked about listening to market foolery and Motley Fool money and where the money is. So, so thank you uh, so much to our listeners. Lambert's Barbecue. That's all. I cannot speak highly enough of Lambert's. Bar- and it's Austin, Texas. There's a lot of great barbecue, yeah. but I saw they played host. They had the Motley Fool up on their big billboard for you guys. Yep, they're, they're they were fantastic, and the food was amazing. Um, and the event itself, the event investing. Part of the event that we had, which was all day Friday, a lot of great breakout sessions. Uh, I think people really enjoyed it. I will say that the, the sort of the keynote—it wasn't a keynote speech, but it was a, a Q&A moderated by our CEO Tom Gardner with Walter Robb and John Mackey, the co-CEOs of Whole Foods. John Mackey also on our board of directors, and uh, I was telling Jason this earlier. For the portion that I was watching, my main takeaway was. Just how great the rapport between those two gentlemen is, and whatever challenges Whole Foods faces as a business, that's not one of them. So, to the extent that anyone's looking at their business saying, "Ah, co-CEOs, that's tough to pull off," and it is, I think that is tough to pull off well, but that is not a concern, at least not for this shareholder. Makes you wonder how Whole Foods even got started with so much great barbecue. Who goes to the grocery store down there? <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, let's get to the overlooked stocks. A lot of overlooked stocks. You got to pick one, though. A lot of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, holiday season just around the corner here. The e-commerce is one of the big buzzwords, and um, you know, I was reading 
where consumers plan to do 44% of their own, uh, holiday shopping this year online, uh, up from 31% in 2009. So, there's there's the obvious trend there. And, and the, the elephant in the room is obviously Amazon.com. However, a recent IPO we've talked about a little bit, Wayfair.com, I think is one that is, uh, yeah, I just don't think it's really garnering any any significant buzz. And I think I think part of that is because the question is out there, you know, how will they be able to compete with Amazon? And, and you know, to, to their credit, it is a bit of a different company, focusing a little bit on on a, a more specific market. They focus on home goods. The home goods market uh, in 2013, it was a $233 billion market and pegged to close in on about $300 billion uh, by 2023. So, obviously, significant opportunity there. And uh, you know, playing into a millennial population, which is seventy-three to eighty million millennials here, that that are being conditioned to shop online, and and I, as I always do, I look to my kids for a lot of these sorts of behaviors to sort of see what these next generation, you know, uh, of, of of consumers how how they behave, and it's just it's funny to see how. Yeah, everything is is online. You know, it's it's e-commerce, and so I think that's going to be a big trend there. That's going to, you know, not not go away anytime soon. And so with with Wayfair, uh, you know, they they tapped, a, they hit about a billion dollars in sales in 2013, which was still only about a half a percent of of that market share. So there's there's obviously plenty of room for them to to pick up share there. And the neat thing about them is that they partner with all of these suppliers. They don't keep inventory on on the balance sheet. So they just they have a, a network of 7,000 plus suppliers that offer this tremendous uh, number of number of goods through a number of different websites that they have. And I think that uh, you know with a couple of founder leaders there, Niraj Shah and Steve Conine, uh, they they have a lot of they have a lot of good things going on with this business there. You know, they call out the reason why they feel they're different, and and I think that a number of these make sense. I mean, they focus really uh, they 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 shine a spotlight on customer service. About thirty percent of their uh, overall employee base is is uh, in customer service. They again have a big supplier base, and they continue to grow that supplier base. And I think really with home goods, home furnishings, that's that's really uh, key there. And then just being able to to work with those suppliers and shipping those goods from the stores to the individuals, as opposed to having sort of these centralized warehouses in you know various states, they're really able to to whittle down the the time it takes to get the the goods to the consumer uh, in a, in a you know cost efficient fashion. So it's 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 still a new IPO, still a lot of questions out there, and, and obviously not profitable yet. But um, they are building out, I think, a neat uh, a neat e commerce model there in, in in really what is still the, the early stages of the of the e commerce trend here. And I'm encouraged about where they uh, where they can go. And the ticker. The ticker is simple. W. Taylor? Blackberry. <laughs> overlooked <laughs> by by investors. Um, Isn't it warranted that Blackberry is overlooked? I you know, uh, I say that it has the, been the stock is trading near a fifty two week high. Yeah, so. because you had up the Canadian service. Maybe. But um, I mean it's traded in the US. Uh, you know, the market is very heavily leans towards sentiment and Investors have kind of been shy about even looking at BlackBerry because of the trouble that it went through a few years back, and it's still in some some hot water, but not nearly as much as it was. Uh, it's not churning through billions of dollars anymore. Their focus is now on profitability. John Chen came in, cut a lot, 4,500 jobs or something like that, uh, which was unfortunate, but um, they're back in a good position. They're limiting the amount of devices that they're putting out. Uh, they're focusing on their services side of things. Their uh, BlackBerry Enterprise Services 10, which is now out, can go across Android and iOS as well. So they're not just securing the BlackBerry devices that they have been in the past. You can now use 
their secure networks with other devices. So that's going to be a decent area of growth, I think. Um, concentrating on the Internet of Things, I don't want to put that as like the total thesis behind this company, but with their reliance on security, um, they've got this QNX uh, data collection and, and connectivity in cars. It's in 30 million vehicles in North America. They can roll that out, I believe, to other devices. And they're trying to start a consortium of, of companies that want to get involved that are data collectors, give BlackBerry access to this data, and then people can buy a subscription almost to, to access all these different companies who have now allowed their data to be stored in a secure BlackBerry-like cloud, um, and then you can buy in there and go analyze this data for whatever purposes you might want, but it's securely stored by BlackBerry. And if, if there's one thing that they've always been, it's been secure. Um, so I think that that is a, a pretty decent tailwind for this company. Like you mentioned, it's trading at, at near 52 Akai, but I think it's more performance-based than, than investor awareness because everything I've seen, they're either ready to hold or a sell by most analysts. So, And the ticker? Well, B in Canada, but BBRY here in the States. I didn't realize it was a separate ticker in Canada. Yeah. Uh, two notes before we wrap up. First, uh, I, I don't know to what extent uh, listeners picked up the sounds of construction <laughs> going on during our taping today. So we'll investigate that, and hopefully that won't be happening tomorrow. Uh, and last but not least, uh, I mentioned our Full One members who are at our event in Austin, but on the other side of the glass with Ann Henry today, Full One member John Lee coming in from Kansas. Uh, so first, thanks for coming yes, and sir. bringing tribute in the form of Kansas State University branded Russell Stover chocolate. I love it. I love. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be undervalued for Halloween. Absolutely. That's uh, under the radar right there. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. is it's, overlooked. It's, 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 it, that's, that's 12 months a year. That's not just, <laughs> that's not just a Halloween thing. Uh, all right, Taylor, Jason, thanks for being here, guys. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.